So a few weeks ago, I was painting. You remember that night when it was really uh, waning? It's like that. It's windy and rainy put together. Really windy and rainy. Remember that night? And I was painting around 1230 at night, and the lights flickered. I have all this stuff out, man, and I just went crazy Pentecostal. I was like, oh, Lord, hereby and hitherto hearken the winds westward, Lord. Like, let it not be so, Lord. Like, I just went into it. And about a half second later, the lights went out. I was like, ah. And so I took out my iPhone. I finished painting with my iPhone flashlight and then eventually picked up all the different pieces. And then here was the deal. I forgot that eventually when the power came back on, my entire house was going to light up again. So two in the morning, I'm finally falling asleep. And all of a sudden, of course, lights come back on and every light in my house went on. I was like, no. Now, if that weren't enough, Two nights ago, you remember that real windy, rainy night we had? 2.30 in the morning, I'm still up painting. And as I'm doing my deal, same deal, lights flicker, and I just said, I rebuke you. (laughs) And again, about a half second later, again, the whole house went dead. Unbelievable. Isn't it incredible that sometimes in our lives, our light goes out, right? Sometimes in our lives, as we're trying to shine brightly for Jesus, our lives, they flicker a little bit. And once in a while, they just full on go out. Well, here in this series, we're talking about how to keep on shining, right? Even when it's hard, even when there's a challenge, even when we might meet some resistance or some opposition, how do we keep on shining brightly? And here in this series, our goal has just been to encourage you guys, challenge you, and tonight especially equip you. I really want to equip you guys to be able to share your faith, invite people to church, and see God use you in some powerful ways. So here's what I want to do. I want to review with you guys, and I love you all. But this service needs to learn how to speak with me as we're going through the service, okay? The other two services are kicking butt at this pretty much every week. And I say it with you guys, and I got like three and a half people speaking with me. So tonight we're going to read some of these bottom lines we've looked at. And I need you to actually say it with me, okay? And so week one, here's what we saw. I'll read it first, then we'll read it together. Your light will only shine if you're connected to the source. Can we say it together? Your light will only shine if you're connected to the source. I knew you could do it. Great job. And the deal is this, right? Just like that first week, we all came up and we put a bulb in one of those lamps. The only way that bulb was going to light up was if it was connected to the source. In the same way, you and I have to be connected to our Savior. And one of the most important things, at least in my own life, that has really been driven deep in my heart that I keep on thinking about week in and week out is this next thought, right? And and I'll say it, then we'll read it together, okay? Not everyone's going to like that I'm a bright, shining light. Can we say that together? Not everyone is going to like that I'm a bright, shining light. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this tonight, but sometimes we meet resistance, don't we? Sometimes we want to shine, but somebody kind of comes back at us, and they have questions and objections, and so we sort of feel like, "Ah, I don't know how to get past this. I don't know how to help somebody overcome that struggle or that belief. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, but this is huge because I think so many of us, we allow the resistance to shut us down. We allow the fact that somebody doesn't like that we're a follower of Jesus, and we're talking about it, from reaching anybody at all. And I'm telling you, we got to stop that. We got to stop letting that hinder us. Then in week two, we talked about this idea of brightly shining the love of Jesus. Let's say that together. Brightly shine the love of Jesus. And we saw this, right? Radical love changes the world. Radical love changes the world, right? It's when you and I begin to love people outside these walls in a way that makes no sense. And we begin to meet needs and we begin to be kind in ways that make no sense. But it's also about the love that we have for each other here in this room, right? That there are some people in this room we need to love a little bit better. There's some people in this room we need to work through conflict with so that we can get on mission 
and brightly shine out there in the world. Then last week, we looked at this concept, brightly shine your life for Jesus. Can we say that together? Brightly shine your life for Jesus, that the way we live, the way we talk, the entertainment we take in, what we do behind closed doors, where we go, where we spend time, man, all that stuff matters, right? And we have this amazing opportunity to live in such a way that the light of Jesus shines on those around us. And again, that comes back to being connected to the source. We've got to be connected to our Savior. Now tonight, as we wrap up this series, here's what I want to do. I want to ask this question. What do we do when we don't know what to say? Right? Because some of us would say, that's my thing. I would love to shine the love of Jesus, and I'm doing okay with that. And I would love to shine my life, and I'm doing all right with that. I'm connected to Jesus. But Doug, where I struggle is when somebody comes back at me with a question, and I don't have the answer, and I don't know what to say. And so what do I do when I don't know what to say? Because normally, I think for you and I, that's where the whole conversation just dies, right? You're trying to reach out to somebody at school or at work, and you you start to talk with them a little bit about Jesus, and they have this objection, they have this question, or they come right back at you and really challenge you about something, and you just don't have the answer, you don't know what to say, and it's like, okay, well, that didn't go well, and I guess that's just over. And I think those experiences make us keep our mouths shut way too often. And so what do I do when I don't know what to say? We're going to take it a little further. What do I do when I feel unqualified to say anything at all, right? Isn't that some of us in the room? What do I do when I feel unqualified to say anything at all because I'm just an imperfect person? And last week we talked about how important it is to shine this life, but what happens, because the truth is we, we all don't always perfectly shine that life, do we? And so what happens when I feel unqualified to say anything at all? And so we're going to find something really powerful that I hope will impact us, something very practical I hope you'll carry out here with us. And here's what I gotta say, and I gotta say this really boldly. Gone are the days that we stay quiet, church, right? Gone are the days that we, we decide somebody else is gonna have to shine brightly if this generation is gonna be reached. Like, that's not us anymore, right? Like, this series has changed us, I pray. The Holy Spirit's doing something in our hearts, and we're not going backwards. I pray in six months to a year from now that we're only more bold in our shining for Jesus. And so the question isn't, should I shine? It's how can I most effectively shine, right? I hope no one in this room walks out of church tonight wondering, man, I wonder if I'm supposed to shine. No, you should know that, right? We spent a month talking about the fact that God has you in your school. He has you in your workplace. He has you in your family and your neighborhood and your friend group on purpose, so that you can shine. The question is not if we should shine, it's how we can most effectively shine. So we're gonna talk about that here tonight. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you are here. And you might be thinking, man, these people really seem to wanna tell everybody about Jesus and what's the deal with that? Maybe you're wondering what our motivation is. Like, Doug, why are you talking to these people about telling everyone in their life about Jesus? Is this a political takeover? Is this some kind of a religious movement? No, here's what's going on, it's real simple. The people sitting in the seats around you, we've had our lives changed by Jesus. We've seen that this Jesus is amazing and he is awesome. And we're not going out there to try to take over the world, some political, religious front, right? No, we just want others to experience the goodness of God like we've experienced. That's what this is about. And tonight, as we work our way through some verses, you're going to see what Jesus has done for you. And I want to talk right to you a few times here. And so again, we're going to look in the scriptures tonight, and we're going to answer these questions. What do I do when I don't know what to say? And what do I do when I feel I shouldn't say anything at all? Because I'm so broken, man. Who am I to share? And so we're going to work through that. So we're going to catch up in John chapter 1. 
John the Baptist had been preaching about Jesus and kind of preparing the way for Jesus to come. And this one day he's out speaking and he sees Jesus and he points the whole crowd to Jesus. And look at what happens here. It says the very next day, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following What do you want? He asked them. Now, we can't help it because we're rude New Yorkers, but we read that verse a certain way, right? As we read through that verse and we see Jesus' response, because we're rude New Yorkers, here's how we read it. What do you want, right? What do you want? What do you guys want, right? Guys, I'm telling you right now, I don't think that's how Jesus said it. I think Jesus leaned forward with excitement, anticipation, and said, what do you want? Like these guys, like, like why are you following me? What's, what's in your heart right now? And I have to tell you about this moment. This is a beautiful moment because Jesus knows everything, right? He's God in the flesh, so he knows something in this moment. The reason there's this anticipation and excitement in his eyes and in his heart, not even thinking in his tone of voice, is because he knows these two guys are going to be lifelong followers of his, some of his closest friends. Can you imagine if you had the ability every time you met someone to know how that relationship was going to turn out like Jesus did, right? Like, like someone walked up to you and you knew these are going to be my people. Some of you are going, I would have chose some different people. <laughs> is LeBron available? Can I get LeBron as my people? Like he's big enough to be all your people. But, but Jesus had this ability to know that these two guys were going to literally follow him to the point where they laid down their lives for him. And so I think there's this excited anticipation. I think there's this little twinkle in Jesus' eyes. He sees these two guys and goes, what do you want? They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? These guys just want to hang out with Jesus. They want to spend time with Jesus. Now listen, the reason I bring these verses up is because Jesus is about to speak three words, three words that I pray will change our lives, that I pray will change how we shine. Here's what these three words are. Come and see, he said. You're going, Doug, I got to tell you, man, you built that up like this was going to be life-changing, and then you came in with me with come and see. Just wait a minute. See, as we work through some verses tonight, we're going to realize that this this little phrase, these three words are a powerful tool that we can use when we don't know what to say or we feel like we shouldn't say anything at all. You see, Jesus, though he always knew what to say, man, he spoke these words and they're going to be life-changing. Praise God all day long. And it's not because of me. I didn't come up with these words. You know that, right? These are in the scriptures. And all day long as people have been leaving, they've been saying, man, I think that's going to work. Like, I think this is something that I can grab a hold of. I think it's something I'll remember, and it's something that I can use as I try to shine brightly. And so we're going to see how this all unfolds. But over the next verses, Jesus talks with these, these, uh, these other two guys. One of the guys is Andrew. Andrew goes, tells his brother, who becomes famous Peter, the Jesus follower Peter. And then the next day, Jesus says to this guy, Philip, come follow me. And Philip, who encounters Jesus, is blown away. And it says this, Philip went to look for Nathaniel, and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Philip is so excited. Philip is going, oh my gosh, we found the Messiah, the Savior. If you're not a father of Jesus, I need you to know that tonight. Jesus wasn't just a nice guy, a cool guy, a miracle worker, a prophet. He's God in the flesh. 
And Philip is so excited, he goes to his, his friend Nathaniel and begins to tell him about this. And here's what's crazy. You see, Philip's not about to get the response he was hoping for. Has that ever happened with you? You, you hope you were going to get a certain response and it didn't quite come back the way you wanted so when I was younger, uh, that would be a lie. I still love my Christian 80s metal. But, but when I was younger, there was this band called the Galactic Cowboys. No, they're not country music. And there they are, those beautiful men up on there in the screen with their long, creepy hair. And uh, so these guys were some of my fa- one of my favorite bands growing up. And they stopped making music in the early 2000s, around the time most of you were born. And so right around that time, uh, I was like, oh man, I'm going to miss these guys. A few years ago, I found out that they were making a brand new album. And I got so excited. And I texted three of my friends, started a new text group, three of my friends, guys, Galactic Cowboys are back. This is insane. Exclamation points after every single line. I'm so excited. And I'm waiting for the response back. And I see the little dots, you know, and the little dots as you're looking at your text message thread. They're writing back. I'm so excited. And guess what it said? Dude, seriously? We all got over those guys like 20 years ago. And that really burned my biscuits, man. I was so upset. I was so angry because I was so excited and passionate about something. And then it just got shot down. And guys, that's what happens so often when we share our faith. We come running in so excited, so passionate. We come in like Philip, so passionate. And so often it gets shot down. Look at what Nathaniel's response was. Philip said, hey, Jesus, this guy from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says this, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? I think Philip's heart, man, he just sank. Come on, I, I just told you we found Jesus, the Savior of the world. And all you can say is, Nazareth, what, can anything good come from Nazareth? It's kind of like us with Jersey. You know what I mean, everybody here in the room? Like, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, like if you're from Jersey, if you're watching the stream right now, I'm so sorry. We love you from Jersey, but we also kind of avoid you, okay? Um, I mean, if you found out that there was this great restaurant and your friend, you said to your friend, I'll oh, text me the address, and it said Jersey, you'd be like, I'm good. I'm good. Like that. They could be giving away free bags of money, right? Oh, where do we go? It's in Jersey. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you very much. No, but we love you, Jersey, for real. But, but this, there was this whole issue with people from Nazareth, and Jesus, the Messiah, wasn't supposed to come from Nazareth. He's supposed to come from Bethlehem, right? So what's the deal here? And so all Nathaniel can, can do is bring resistance to the excitement that Philip had. And guys, again, that's you and me, right? We walk into our school. We walk into our workplace, and we're so excited. You might go home tonight and say, man, Jesus changed my life. You're not going to believe it, but Jesus changed my life tonight. And your parent might look at you and go, yeah, because he's real, right? You know what I mean? You ever been there? You might walk into school or work this week and say, hey, my church does this thing right before Christmas, the Sunday before Christmas every year. The place is packed out. It's so much fun. Man, it's just an amazing thing. You've never seen anything like this in church before. And they'll look back at you and go, fun. Church isn't supposed to be fun. You'll, you'll see a friend this week and they'll say, hey, man, I'm really struggling with this. And you'll say, let me, let me pray for you. And they'll say, you don't believe in that prayer stuff. What a waste of time, right? And this is the point where Philip and where you and I can decide either we're going to let that resistance shut us up or we're going to keep the conversation alive somehow. But that's the question. How do we do it, right? When somebody squashes your excitement, when somebody shuts you down, when they ask you a hard question you don't have the answer for, what can you do? You can use those three words. That's exactly what Philip does. Look at what it says here. Come and see for yourself. Philip replied. Just, just come and see. 
rather than letting the opposition you know, break him down, rather than maybe Philip doubting his own faith, he, 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 he's got nothing else to say except what? Come and see. He could have said, Nathaniel, you know what? You're, you're a lost cause, man. You're never going to trust this Jesus, right? He could have given up on his friend, but instead he says, no, come and see. You know what this phrase is? Does anybody in here wear reading glasses? Anybody wear reading glasses? Okay, cool. I would ask you to come up on the stage and help me out with a little illustration, but people have been a little gun-shy. I got one out of two services. Somebody help me out today. Is anyone with reading glasses willing to just come and meet me right here? If you're not, it's okay. We will endure. Okay, thank you so much. Oh, Aiden, come here, bro. Hey, let's hear it for Aiden. Aiden's the man. Now, let me ask you a question because I don't have glasses. I have really good eyes. I have terrible hearing, but I have good eyes. So, um, how close do you have to have a paper for it to be a struggle without your glasses? Like, are we talking anywhere in this zone here? Okay, all right, so take your glasses off. Okay, all right, can you read that right now without? Do I have to read that? Oh, see, I don't think you need glasses, Aiden. If you can read this, you don't need glasses, Aiden. You're good to go. You must read it. Go ahead. No. Ah! <laughs> Here's the deal. A lot of you guys in the front row, can anyone in the front row make that out? Came on the front row. Okay. So that's it right there. Some of us are, are looking at God like this front row and really the rest of everybody in the room. You're trying to make this out. You're trying to see what it says. It looks fuzzy. It, it's just not clear to you, right? And if you were someone who, unlike Aiden, actually needed reading glasses, you would go ahead and put them on. <laughs> and what was fuzzy and unclear would become incredibly clear. Anthony, you've got pretty good eyesight, don't you? Oh, you don't? All right. Who else got good eyesight? Anybody in the front row? Got good? Wow, we need to pray for some eyesight, man. Forget, we're going to close in prayer right now and lay hands on everyone. That sight would be visible. There it is. Good sight's visible, apparently. Well, I'm not going to tell you what it says then. But uh, no, of course it says, let's go Mets. Come on, people. You know me. You know me, right? Let's go Mets. You got a new manager who's horrible, apparently. But anyway, but guys, I'm telling you, this little phrase, come and see. It's like handing someone who can't see clearly, who, who can't quite make out what God looks like, what he's actually like. They have this other version of God in mind. He, he, he looks angry, right? He, he looks distant. He looks cold. Or he just looks absent. Or he looks like a fairy tale. And, and it's like handing someone a pair of glasses and saying, come and See, come and really see. I know you have this wrong view of Jesus, but although I may not have all the answers for you right now in this moment, what I can encourage you to do is just come with me. And that can mean a few different things. For example, someone, somebody, you know, you might be trying to talk to them about Jesus and they say, how can God be loving and allow suffering, right? That's the number one reason people don't follow God is because of pain and suffering. So, so how can he be loving and allow suffering? And you can look them back in the face and you can go, you know what, you're right, I'm giving up too. You can look them back in the face and say, you're right, I, I guess that's the end of my conversation with you. Or you could say this, you know what, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. And, and I struggle with it sometimes too. But that doesn't mean you can't still pursue God. In fact, I would love for you to come and see what's going on at my church. Because maybe if you came, 
you would meet some people who have suffered and yet they still believe in God. Or maybe as you come and you hear some of the messages, you'll get some of your questions answered. Or I can introduce you to my friend at church who's like a total brainiac. And this guy, man, when he talks about God and his ability to carry us through suffering, it's like all my defenses just are dropped, right? Just come and see. You may not have the answer in the moment, but you can say, come and see. Somebody says, you know what? I don't know about this God because I've learned a lot about science and it seems like science and God are at odds. And suddenly you're going, oh man, I don't know what the answer is to this. What do I do in this moment? You can sit there and go, you know what, that's interesting. And I would love to maybe walk with you and we'll explore that a little bit. Let's grab coffee every Tuesday at three and we'll just read together and we'll study and we'll try to figure this out. But if I could ask you to come and see what God has done in my life, man, I'm a different person now. Do you guys see the power of this? Because Philip only had one thing to say to Nathaniel. He had no answers about Jesus. He had no backstory. He didn't know what to say. But he said, come and see. And look at the outcome. Verse 47. As they approached Jesus, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Now, Jesus may not have been a New Yorker, but I think Nathaniel was. He's going, you don't know me, Jesus. Back up, right? Jesus replied, I can see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Now, Jesus didn't literally see Nathaniel under the fig tree, and yet he knew he was there. And Nathaniel knew that Jesus didn't literally see him under the fig tree, but he knew he was there. And Nathaniel is freaked out in the best possible way. And look at what it says here in the next part. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. That is the quickest turnaround in human history, right? You don't know me. No, no, no. You are the son of God, the king, right? Wow. All because when faced with some resistance, when faced with some opposition that normally shuts you and me down, Philip said, I don't know. Just come and see. You're objecting because he's from Nazareth. That's not going to stop me. And it shouldn't stop you. Come and see. All because Philip just handed him a pair of glasses and says, I can help you see Jesus clearly. Just follow me. Take a step toward him, right? Maybe the same would happen with our friends when they bring up their objections. As we just use those, those three words, hey, I don't have it all together and I don't know everything, but I can tell you, if you come and see, I think you'll encounter Jesus just like I did. I think you'll see he's the real thing and he can be trusted. A few chapters later in John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well. And after this woman's encounter with Jesus, her life is changed. And she wants to be a bright, shining light, but she's got two strikes against her. The first strike is she doesn't know anything about Jesus. She doesn't have any of his backstory. She doesn't know where he grew up or who his parents were or what school he went to. She doesn't know anything. So if anyone asked this woman a question about Jesus, she would have zero answer for them. And the second strike against her is this woman was known as a public sinner. I don't know if if you've ever walked into a room and you felt like every eye was on you because you just did something stupid recently and everybody in that room knows. I've been there. I mean, I've felt that. I felt the shame of that. This woman, every time she walked in her town, the entire town looked at her and knew the sin she was living in. And so you want to talk about not knowing what to say. She had no bearing of who Jesus was and not knowing if she should say anything at all because of who she was. That's this woman's starting point. 
when she tries to be this bright, shining light. And so she has this conversation with Jesus and Jesus begins to tell her things he shouldn't know about her and eventually identifies himself as God. And we're actually gonna dive into this passage in a couple weeks in our worship series. But what I want you to see here is eventually this woman invites her whole town and look at what three words she uses. Remember, this is a very different story than Philip and Nathaniel. This is several chapters later. This is after Jesus has called all his disciples. There's some space between these two encounters. But look at what it says. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? There it is again. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're not talking about just a man, a miracle worker, a prophet. No, the Messiah, the Savior, the rescuer of the whole world, the one who takes our sin away. And then it says this in verse 30. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. But wait, this lady didn't know anything about Jesus. And she was this publicly known sinner who's going to listen to her she's got one shot come and see I don't know what to say I don't know what to tell you and man I'm a broken sinful person but come and see we see how it unfolds in verse 39 many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told me everything I ever did Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers, all because this woman handed to her community a pair of glasses with just that little phrase, come and see. You might have misconceptions about this Jesus. Just come and see. You may never have heard of this Jesus. Come and see who he is and what he's like. And I love verse 42. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Let's pause right there. A lot of us think we have to save our friends with our words, right? A lot of us think if we don't have the right answer in the right moment to all their questions, then we are going to be stuck. But do you see what this verse says? It's not just about what you said. No, we have heard for ourselves And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. In other words, Jesus was going to show off, right? Jesus was going to back up her claims. Jesus was going to meet these people where they were. And guys, I got to tell you something. Jesus is going to meet your friends where they are. All you got to say is come and see. I don't know all the answers. I'll tell you what I do know. I know there are answers. I can help introduce you to some people who are really smart. If you got a science brain, talk to Brendan. Brendan's got a science brain too, man. He'll help you understand how God and creation and science and all this stuff works together. Oh man, you've been through suffering. Tom talk to Kelly, man. Kelly almost lost her life several years ago. But man, God's really given her tons of joy and peace. And she can help you understand suffering in God. But just come and see. Your words don't have to save your friends. Yeah, have some answers, have some encouraging things to say to them. But at the end of the day, when you don't know what to say or you don't know if you should say anything at all, say, come and see. Come and see. When you don't know what to say, say, come and see. It's this little bridge God's given us. It's this little tool. It's this little set of glasses God's given us. And I want you to think about these two scenarios. You have Nathaniel who wants nothing to do with Jesus and Philip says, come and see. And then Nathaniel ends up going, you are the savior of the world, right? You have the townspeople who wouldn't take this woman seriously. And then she says, just come and see. And many believe and many get saved. 
Here's what I hope you're seeing. I hope you are picking up on something tonight. It's this idea. That come and see is code for something. You know what it's code for? I don't have all the answers, and I'm a broken, sinful person, but Jesus has changed my life. Just come and see how powerful, how powerful God can use this stuff in our lives. What what does come and see really mean? It could mean come and see our church. God's doing some amazing things. It could mean come and see my life. I'm not perfect, but I'm not who I was. And so I invite you to walk with me a little bit. Take a step toward Jesus with me. Just come and see a little bit of what God's been doing. It could mean come and see this friend at church who was an addict, but God's set them free. It could mean come and see this person that was about to take their life. You got to hear this story because I know you're hopeless and I don't have all the answers to give you hope, but I can introduce you to so-and-so who's shared over and over again about the night they were ready to take their life, but Jesus changed everything. Just come and see. Are you seeing how powerful this tool is? Are you seeing how easy it is to use? Are you seeing how Jesus used it, Philip used it, and then the woman at the well whose life was so radically changed. Come and see. Take a step. See our Savior for who he is. As we wrap up this series, I just want to speak to your hearts for a minute, and I want to give you a tip or two so that we can continue just to be these bright, shining lights. Years ago, there was some kind of a circumstance that brought an elderly couple into our church. I can't remember what it was. It was either a wedding or a baby dedication or a funeral or something like that. And this older couple came into our church and visited one day. And in that service, they got saved. They put their trust in Jesus. And do you know what happened after that? They went and walked a few aisles over to their family members who had gone to our church for decades. And they looked them in the eyes through tears. And you ready for this? This, this kind of haunts me, all right? This is what they said to their loved ones through tears after just putting their trust in Jesus. You ready? Why didn't you invite us here? Why didn't you tell us about this place? We wish we had been here for the last 20 years like you have been. I tell you what, I never want anyone in my life to say that to me. I don't ever want anyone in your life to say that to you. I want us to be a bunch of bright, shining lights. And we are those kinds of people that, man, although not everybody's gonna like it, we are gonna talk about our Savior because it's the best news ever and it's the hope of mankind, right? So something pretty crazy happened to me this past week. I got a text from a friend guy I really care for, a guy that I've known about seven years. We, our families have been on vacation together, just, just close, but, but he's been far from God, and he's been angry at God. He, he had a really big loss in his life and got angry at Jesus, just decided either he's not there or if he is there, he's not worth following. And so over the years, we've had fun together, and every little opportunity Kelly or I have, we'll just kind of encourage this guy, but we've been praying for him our staff, we've prayed for him together. We, every single time I think of somebody in my life, I want them to know Jesus. This is the guy that comes to mind. And, and so I get a text from him and, and he says, hey, can we just grab lunch? We're going to meet at the diner. And I'm thinking, okay, cool, man. We're just going to shoot the breeze or whatever like normal. And I get there and it's just different this time. And he just says, so um, tell me about like this God stuff. And I almost fell off my chair. And I was just like 
going to take it easy because you know me. I'm like, I'm like ready to like preach every sermon I ever preached like in like 10 seconds, you know. But all right, let's take it easy. And I'm like, well, all right. And so I just begin to share a little bit of my story. And next thing I know, he, he brings up suffering. What, what about suffering? How, how can God be good? And I said, man, I got to tell you. I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. I literally said the things I've said to you tonight. I, I don't know. But I know Jesus has changed my life. And either I go through life and I suffer with Jesus or I suffer without Jesus. And when I suffer with Jesus by my side, it's just different. There's a peace and a joy. And he said, I know. He goes, I have seen how your wife has suffered. But there's a joy there. I mean, this is the guy who hated God. This is the guy who was so angry at God. This is the guy I was a little nervous. I didn't quite know what I was going to get. And as we continue to talk, I basically preached the entire evidence series to him in an hour and a half lunch. And I'm just talking, literally, I'm like, hey man, imagine there's this chair and there's all these pieces. And I like went through the whole deal. If you've been around long enough, you remember that. And I'm talking prophecy with him, history with him, miracles change lives. Like we're just going for it. Eyewitnesses. And he's continuing to ask more questions and I'm still like kind of in shock. And you know what? That relationship wasn't perfect. In fact, there were times as a friend, I felt I failed him. And I felt like I probably lost him. And I would guess the same is true for you, that there are people in your life who you think will never come to know Jesus. Or maybe because of the failures in your life, they would never be, you would never be the one that they would come to when maybe they were ready. But there we were. We were texting again last night a little bit. And I just love that what happened was, and this is zero credit to me and my family, it's just over the years, though even imperfectly, we just were trying to shine little bits when we could, and we just stayed consistent, and we just kept loving, and we kept loving, and, and we went through some tension in the relationship, but we worked through it, and we fought through it, and we had hard conversations, and eventually the, con- the time came when he was ready. And one of the things he said, and this is so powerful, I just love this. One of the things he said was this. He said, you know, Doug, I really feel like God's trying to get my attention. And this is powerful. You ready? He said, there are four or five different people in my life right now telling me about Jesus. That's so powerful. Do you know why? Because it wasn't just up to the pastor, right? It was up to the other four or five people that are just people in his life. And if they hadn't been talking with him, I don't know if he would have listened to me. I don't know if he would have been kind of like primed and ready for this conversation. But he said these four or five people kept bringing up Jesus to me and they were so different and they were so loving and they were so caring. I knew I just had to have lunch with you and pick your brain. You see, that's the power of all this doing, all of us doing this together. That's the power of us like in week one coming up and each of us putting a bulb in. That's the power of us like last week, each of us lighting our flashlight up and lighting up the room. That's the power of you and I saying, we don't stay quiet anymore, church, right? No, we're going to live this out. And you know what? Some people aren't going to like it and some people aren't ready. We got to do some coaching with a pastor named Larry Osborne and, and he told us, you know what? We always want to reach everybody in the room, but there's two people we can't reach until God does something great in their heart. We can't reach the mocker or the scoffer. And each of us has a mocker and a scoffer in our life, don't we? All they want to do is make fun of Christianity. All they want to do is put us down. And here's the deal, guys, and I'm so ashamed of this. We have let the mocker and the scoffer shut us up, haven't we? 
and kept us from reaching all of the people who are not mockers and scoffers and are ready to be reached. We can't allow that anymore, right? We gotta know, the mocker and the scoffer are gonna stay that way until God flips the switch. And my friend is proof that God flips the switch. And I wanna be ready when he does that. Some of you guys might be saying, how do I just like get this to almost be like it, it just comes out of me? How do I, how do I make that, that consistent impact? It's just working the conversation back toward God, right? And so instead of your friend telling you about the horrible week they had and you say, I'm so sorry, you say, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna be praying for you, right? Just work the, the little bit of, of the light and the hope in, right? Some of us, we go to the same 7-Eleven or Starbucks every day. Like some of us see the person who works behind the counter at Starbucks more than like our parents or our family or our spouse, right? Okay, it's a little bit of a problem, but it's the truth. And we need to learn how to reach that person that we see so often, right? And so maybe instead of just, hey, thanks for the coffee, it's, hey, thanks and God bless you. Have a great day, right? And who knows, maybe a few weeks later, you're getting to know this person and, hey, how's everything going? And can I pray for you? You guys know I love Ciro's Pizza across the road. Man, I've gotten to pray for those guys just because I know them. The pizza's blessed and anointed of the Lord. But, but I get, I've gotten to know them. And so how cool is it that just out of the natural friendship, I'll say, hey, how are things going? Oh, man, my kid this or... Man, my spouse, dad, and hey, I just want to you know, be praying for you guys, right? See, just working it back to Jesus. We've got to get back to that place where we're saying, all right, we're going to shine brightly. There's going to be mockers and scoffers. We are going to get made fun of. I mean, come on. It's going to happen. Just be ready for it. But if we're ready for it, we can take it, right? Like if I went into a boxing ring and didn't expect to be punched, I'd be in trouble, right? But if I know it's coming and I get punched, I could probably get back up. And that's the thing. Often we walk out into the world thinking we're not going to get punched. Oh, we are going to get punched, so to speak. But if you know it's coming and you're expecting it, then you can get back up and say, I'm going to just keep on shining. I'm going to keep on shining because there's a world to reach with the hope of Jesus. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, when you don't know what to say, say, come and see. When you don't know if you should say anything at all, say, come and see, it's a step. Take that next step. It's code for, I don't know the answer, and I'm a broken person like you, but Jesus has changed my life. Come and see. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you've heard tonight about Jesus, who is the life changer, the one who came for you, the one who died for you, the one who rose again. If you're working through that and you don't really believe that, I'd love to talk with you because I wrestle with lots of doubt about that as well. But tonight, if you're going, no, I feel like God kind of flipped the switch like you're talking about, Doug. I kind of feel like Nathaniel a little bit. I walked in here going, who's this Nazareth guy? And now I'm like, you are the king and the son of God, and I'm ready. Then, man, that would be such an amazing thing if tonight you would put your trust in Jesus before you left this place. But church, the time for being quiet is over. And I'll tell you what, I've been on a high since my lunch on Thursday. Because there's nothing like seeing somebody take steps toward Jesus. I want more of it. I want to see more of that. And I pray as a church we would get on that high of leading people closer to our Savior. That we would take a step and help somebody take a step. That we would be the ones who are loving and shining brightly so the world can see our Savior. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's time. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray tonight you'd put your trust in him. Let's shine brightly.
Jesus, you are good to us, and we love you, and we need you, and you have rescued us, and you have shined on us, and you have made us light, your word says, and now we go out and we get to shine on the world around us. And, and God, we just pray that all of the excuses would go out the window, all of the fears you would deal with, God, that you'd give us a boldness, and that you would show up in such power that no one can deny you. And so help us with this, God. If you're a follower of Jesus, can I ask you to pray for somebody right now? Pray for the person in your life that needs Jesus. Two nights before my lunch with my friend, our community group cried out to Jesus for his salvation. You never know when God's gonna flip that switch. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you wanna put your trust in him, I just encourage you to pray with me now, just quietly. You can say, Jesus, thank you so much that you want me, the broken person that I am, that you long to have a relationship with me, that you died on the cross for me, and that you rose back from the dead. And Jesus, tonight, like Nathaniel, I say, you are God. You are the Savior. And I ask that you would change my life and do something only you can do and then cause me to shine brightly on others. If you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, would you just look me in the eyes real quick? I wanna make sure I'm praying for you this week. Is there anybody that said yes to Jesus for the first time tonight? Thank you, anybody else? Yeah, that's awesome, that is so cool. Anybody else tonight? Just look me right in the eyes real quick so I can be praying for you this week. Awesome, thank you so much. Anybody else? That's amazing. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I see you. That is so cool. Thank you. Yep, I see you in the back too. God, we just are so thankful and we just ask you to continue to do a great work in each and every life. In your name.